Hello, welcome to Perspective. I'm your host, Ray Nisislak, and today we have a very special guest, Nisislak, my mother. And so, today is our actually our first episode, so it's very special. So, we're gonna actually. So, how how are you, mom? Raimi, thanks for having me here. I am well and excited to do this interview with you. Yes, it's very special. And so, it's a very special interview with me and you. Hmm. And so, we're going to have, uh, can, can we uh, ask about yourself? Absolutely. What would you like to know? Well, a little bit, bit of, of your background. Ah, all right. Yeah. Um, well... Um, I was actually born in the Midwest of America, um, and lived there for the majority of my life. Um, I grew up, uh, very poor and, um, and the majority of my childhood, I grew up with my grandmother. And, um, when I was in my late teens, after I came back from the Air Force, I um, had a fantastic experience, and that experience was that my life uh, was um, invaded by my sweet, sweet Savior, Jesus Christ, and I start living my life for Jesus, and during that time is when I met your father. And um, then my life began um, about two years after that as his wife. And we've been on that journey of uh, building our family, being married for um, the last 28 years. And so, and that brings us here. Well, five, five boys, one daughter. Correct. Okay. Correct. Five, five sons, one daughter three grandchildren and and we'll see what god does um next yes and so we we're going to be talking about the perspective of autism we're going to learn about my mom's perspective today mm. and so hey mom mm. when, when did you first start noticing that there was something different about me uh um i think you were about uh, two and a half years old when I s- really started to notice something different. And I love that word different from because uh, many people will say, uh, when did you notice something wrong? But I didn't notice anything wrong. I just simply noticed something different, especially because you were the youngest of those five sons. And so at that junction, I had your your father and I had already um, gone through uh, a lot of milestones with your older brothers, and so there were just some things that, as part of a developing young, uh, a developing boy, that we just knew were part of that child growing. And I did start noticing at about two and a half that you were different from what I saw in your brothers. And so from there, I just watched um, you for a long time. Hmm. Very interesting, very interesting. Mm. So it was kind of like I didn't, was I like not nonverbal? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question. So there was that for sure. There was 
uh, at two and a half, you really um, had limited uh, uh, vocabulary. Um, at that junction, we kind of uh, put that to that you had four other brothers and a mother and father. And we at that junction, we were in ministry, and we would have a, a variety of older people, the age of your brothers, and then different people from the church and things in our home. And you being the youngest at that time, we just attributed it, your lack of uh, vocabulary to us always just saying it for you or just doing by you gesturing or you making a sound. And because that happens a lot of times with the baby of the family and you were at that junction, the baby of the family. And so, but as you grew, it was about three and four years old and many people could not understand the vocabulary that you did have we would kind of have to interpret for you almost as if you were speaking a different language. And so, yes, that was one of the differences. Um, The potty training aspect, uh, it took a great deal longer for you to uh, grasp the, uh, the, to, um, to grasp that idea of, using um the 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 toilet versus the diaper and there's a whole bunch around that as well i won't go into that because i don't want to say too many embarrassing things on your first episode (laughs) maybe on another interview Mm. um but um so i noticed that and then we also noticed uh around that time as well just some uh the way uh you walked um some of your gross motor skills were um, very delayed, and then and, and in your fine motor skills for sure were you know. So I started noticing that thing, those things too, because at that junction, Ephraim, we were also homeschooling your older siblings, and um, the way you held uh, a crayon or a pencil if you're doing things with your your siblings or at the school table, and just a, a lot of those things were just different at the at the different ages than it was than it was for each of your um, older siblings. Yes, yes. So you had to kind of shift some things, right? I did. I did have to shift some things. But again, when you're four years old, I, I, there was a part of me that wasn't too worried about it. Um, and so we did have to adjust some things, but the major adjustments didn't come until a little further when you are a little older. Yes. And so, after being diagnosed, what was it like for you? Well, um, like I said, we knew something was different. And so, when we finally did get the diagnosis, um, you were um, almost seven years old. Actually, you were seven years old. Um, when We finally actually went <laughs> to a doctor to see if there was something that were that was causing the delay okay and then so that we would know if we needed to um do something um to help you grow and reach those um development milestones if we needed extra resources or things like that so um once the diagnosis was given i actually almost breathed a sigh of relief um, because um, 
then when you know something, then you know how to work with it. You know, it's almost like if someone is, um, you know, they just haven't been feeling well and they go into the doctor and the doctor um, says, you know, you're struggling with a cancer, right? What happens after that, you know, because they worry, they worry, they worry, worry, you know, something's wrong, something's wrong. But once they get this diagnosis they and they know what's wrong, then they can start planning on how to tackle this issue, right? And so it's almost a relief to hear the diagnosis, even though it uh, sometimes can be a little scary or, uh, or, or again, making things um, have to shift. Uh, but I was, and I believe your father was, um, but for me, I was definitely a little bit relieved and because then I could put a plan of action together to assist you in growing um, with your differences. Like doing speech and occupational therapy. Yes, I'm sure you remember those days for sure. Um, yes, those were one, um, a couple of the resources that we knew needed to happen straight away, mm-hmm. right away, especially speech therapy. And the speech therapy was vital because communicating is uh, is a part of everyday life, right? And so uh, we were able to uh, get uh, that resource for you happening straight away. And, and then the occupational therapy, which would help you with uh, those fine motor skills and those gross motor skills, um, uh, we started seeing a difference, really, um, over the course of it, actually really a short period of time. And um, and then with that, um, we had decided, too, which was a little different um, for your brothers during their um, younger years, especially like kindergarten, first grade, kind of um at home school they were always homeschooled during that time but we decided um to use the resource of the public school to help with some of the therapies there until we can find out how we can afford some therapies outside the school and um and then God opened the door for those kind of things and so we were able to actually bring you back home to homeschool you which is something God put on our hearts to do and but yet still be able to give you the resources you needed to thrive. Yeah, so changing the lifestyle is very important. It is. It is. It's uh, at times it was uh, even you know because you get used to the way things have been done. So that definitely was a change for our lifestyle as a family. And, um, but it was very necessary, very important, yes. Yeah, so you pretty much, like, went over the ways how I had to pretty much, like, grow mm-hmm. into, like, speech and OT and pretty much et cetera of s- things I had to work myself up to. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so. Yeah, the things you worked yourself up to, that's, like, the things that, um, all the work that you did, you know, changing that lifestyle to accommodate um, your speech therapy, uh, your occupational therapy, for instance, one of the things we did, we we had we made sure that your brother started allowing you to speak instead of you just uh, grunting or pointing, 
you know, they were part of help saying, say the word, say the word, and even some practicing of some of those things. Um, you might remember at the house in our, you know, in our basement on the floor, we had, you know, the tape down um, for you to do some gross motor skills where you would jump into the different sections of the tape to help grow your your balance and things like that. And um, and the speech therapy and the occupational therapy, really, if I will go back, I wish I would have uh, kind of calculated the hours, but I know for sure it was hundreds of hours of speech therapy and occupational therapy and the hard work that went into that has really made you, Ramey, to who you are today because it took a lot of dedication to um, to stay with it and push through um, those times where uh, you would uh, have to uh, be in that speech therapy room and go over some of these things over and over and over and for you to be able to play a game. You know, I would watch you in those in those sessions and things. And so I watched you grow and those um, resources and then changing the different parts of our lifestyle really helped you to develop as the young man you are today because you know what it takes to reach a goal. You know that it's going to take some hard work and you're willing to put in that hard work because you've seen it already happen for you. So yes, it, it definitely has helped. All that work has helped you to grow and become the person you are today. Yes. Yes. So what, what was the one of the biggest struggles for you with me, me having autism? Mm. Wow. Yeah, the biggest struggle was the misunderstanding of other people. Other people, um, many people, and sad to say, um, even with the technology we have and the research that is at the you know at our fingertips, you know, with the internet and everything. Yeah. Um, when people realize that you did have autism, once we got the diagnosis and things, us saying, you know, um, Ramey has autism. Um, and, uh, many people would say things that were actually hurtful. I know they weren't trying to hurt us or anything, but I think many people would speak out of ignorance. And, um, so that really was a struggle and also the struggle with people outside of our family and outside of our close knit of you know place of friends, many people were would um, also try to um, teach you things that they really didn't know. It was very interesting. I can't even really explain it, but um, it, it was almost as if they uh, people would try to train you from some place that they actually really didn't know or try to put you in a box in a sense of they would say, well, my my sister's um, brother-in-law's auntie's uncle has a child with autism <laughs> where they've not really spent any time with that child, but they would give your dad and I advice from that. And, and seriously – the autism is um, has this spectrum, and you know that, right? Yes. So any individual can be in any place on that spectrum, and there's not one person, I believe, that um, out of the population that has autism that all have the exact same 
um, um, what would you call it? Uh, like level? Levels and things. Yes, yeah, like a level of on that spectrum. There are these such minute different levels on that spectrum. And so what works for one child that has autism may not work for another child that has autism, even if there are some very similar uh, characteristics within the those two children, uh, you know. So, so that was actually a, a, one of the biggest struggles. I did not struggle with you having autism. That was not a struggle for me at all. It was just a part of my life. But the people, and so I, and I think that's why I'm so excited to see you doing what you're doing, because most people are just simply not educated. And as I watch you with your goal to educate people uh, on the topic of uh, the autism spectrum, um, I think more people are going to uh, actually be able to be more sensitive to the families that they encounter that have someone within that family on the autism spectrum and also how they encounter people that are on the autism spectrum. Yes, yes, yes. And so... One next thing. What is what do you expect me to do in the in the future, or hope me to to see me doing in the future? Oh wow! I I think it goes back to what I was just saying too. Is because you continuing to educate people on the i on the autism spectrum and on how to view and uh, people that are on the spectrum um, and educating people so that they're not afraid and that they um, come to the uh, the table with someone or a family that has um, are experiencing um, autism they come to that place with a better understanding and a, a better sensitivity and as well as um, um, there, I have to go back to those days of you in speech therapy. I think you were, might have been um, around 10 or 11 years old. And the director of the speech pathology um, program at the university in Wisconsin that we were, where we were, uh, the director of that program um, she would come um, to speak with me and to speak with you and to see you as she's observing her students as they're teaching and things. And I remember after one of our first sessions with her of doing a lot of the testing and things, she said to you, Ephraim, and I don't know if you remember this, but she said, Ephraim, you have many things to say, and we are going to help you be able to say them. I don't know if you remember her. You mean like Dr. Plonska? Yes, yes, Dr. Plonska. So she said that to you. And I remember getting tears in my eyes that day sitting in that room because I thought, she's right. He's going to say some things. And 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 I don't know what they're going to be, but that's going to be a part of his life. And seriously, son, that is what's happening. I believe that that Miss, Miss, uh, Dr. Plonska actually had something from God to say to you. And that was God saying through her, Ephraim, you keep going. You're going to be saying things. And watching you do your presentations 
in Taiwan. Cause so now son, you're an international speaker, right? I don't think the people yeah. know that. And right. You're an international speaker because you have given presentations across the seas. You've given presentations on autism here in the United States and in Taiwan. And I believe you're going to do so in other countries as well. And so that's, I, I really do. And I believe another thing for your future, you are going to be an example Ephraim, of helping people, people on the autism spectrum and people off the autism spectrum to know that the things that God has put in them, the desires and those passions that they have about doing something that little by little, step by step, they can reach those goals. Because everything you have worked for, even just doing this interview, is, is, uh, it takes so much extra for you to do these things. And, and as people are educated on the, um, some of the work that goes into helping a person on the spectrum to, um, to thrive, it takes um, so much extra than someone that is um, not on autism spectrum. And so what you do seriously inspires people. And I know you know it because everywhere you have given a presentation, that has been the end result people with tears in their eyes, people, not just tears in their eyes, tears running down their faces saying he has encouraged me so much. And so I believe that God will use this diagnosis that you have of autism as a way to inspire and motivate people all over the world. Well, that's my dream. Ah. And so. Yeah. And, and I believe God put those dreams in you. And I believe that as you continue doing things like this, this podcast was one of those. You knew that if you wanted to get the, uh, the, just educate people more, that a podcast could help that to happen. And so here we are on your very first episode. And so, and you will have more and more and more. And I look forward to seeing this develop. Yes. So. What? Is there anything else you want to say or add about having a son with autism? Yeah, I I actually would say something to the parents uh, that are listening to to this podcast is um, if they have a a child, a son or a daughter that um, has a diagnosis of autism or Asperger's or anywhere on the spectrum that... um, it's actually not the end of the world. It's okay. It's okay. We can live and they can thrive. And uh, you are seeing an example of that or hearing, excuse me, an example of that um, right here. Um, this young man didn't speak and with people really understanding to him until he was almost seven years old. And, um, but as we press through, it might be that your, your child with autism is nonverbal, period or has a lot of behavioral issues, um, I want to encourage those parents to stay in the game. Stay in the game and take one day at a time and, um, and to get people around you that will support you and that child without judgment with, and, and that are willing to, to get educated so that they can walk with you and and also encourage those parents to, you know, contact you, Ramey, contact you or they could contact me um, just to talk. Because um, sometimes simply me just talking with another parent 
or grandparent or a guardian that um, was working with a child or living with a child or that was on the spectrum, sometimes just simply sitting over a cup of tea or coffee and just talking about it or sometimes crying because sometimes it's exhausting. Um, but that even just was something that, that really was, um, there are precious moments in my life. And, um, so yeah, that's what I would say. And, and, and to those of you that are on the spectrum that are listening to this podcast, I encourage you, you keep going. You keep stepping one day at a time, set your goals and take them at little bites and you'll reach them. You'll reach them just like Ephraim has. And so, yeah, I encourage you all that being on the autism spectrum, being a parent of someone on autism spectrum actually is a gift. It really is a gift because watching my son has inspired me more than I can ever actually put into words. And and more than that, watching him push through and then on the other side inspire and motivate other people um is uh is just really um an amazing thing to witness. And um and I say this, the sky's the limit. I don't care. <laughs> autism no autism the sky's the limit so keep going and and just press on and so yeah that that that's would be all that i would want to add Ephraim. okay okay well thank you mom for being on the first show so you're welcome thank you for having me um i i actually did this without crying and so um i'm 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 glad because we wouldn't get through it if i started um crying yeah <laughs> and so if you like this podcast you can download it or even it will be even more helpful if you shared it with other mm, people mm. and so please do and so thank you for listening to this mm. so signing off bye bye <laughs>